Have you heard of Arian? If not, you may want to head to Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Gasket. That's my book. <laughs> I know that you'll fall in love with the main character and with the person that pops up on the way in order to help him unveil that adventure which is called self-development. So let me know what you think. Thanks! Welcome to Impact by Choice podcast with your host, Andradaniti. Today is a really interesting day because it's actually the last day of the Book Inside series with Rahila Khan. And I am very emotional because of this. So I have decided to entirely gift you chapter number 10, the last one of the book, which is called Sunset with No Dawn. Therefore, I will be reading it all for you. And afterwards, I will go to... um, Go to talking to my beautiful guest. Probably you can already feel from my voice all the uh, emotion that is coming out and um, the fact that I feel a bit weird, not necessarily weird, but it's, it's something that I cannot express due to the fact that this series is coming to an end. So here I go with uh, reading chapter 10 for you. Present times. Another day of freezing December. Arian feels that after all the years he spent away and all the lessons he learned, he's ready to forgive his parents and everything that he felt guilty about and all the happenings he went through and he is not responsible for. As a consequence, he feels a strong calling to go back to his parents' house to see how they are doing or if they can all bury the sword of the past. He has high hopes that his parents will finally accept him for who he is at this stage of his existence. Just a week ago, he told Kareem about this thought. His adoptive father was sad as the 38-years-old Arian was the perfect vision of the child Karim never had. But Karim loves him very much, and he learned that a bird needs to fly in order to feel free. Over the last 16 months, he observed how Arian behaved, and he also learned to read when his adopted son was happy or overran by heavy thoughts. My dear son, I cannot tell that I am happy with your decision, but I cannot keep you caged here either if you wish to soar. I truly believe that you know what's best for you. I do hope that you will keep me in your thoughts and that you will visit me from time to time, was Karim's reaction. I will never forget you, Karim. You are actually the one I can call a father. You treated me with sorrow the first time we met, but afterwards you accepted me for who I was. You see now who I am, what I have to offer, and that my life's purpose is to help the others. 
You even encouraged me to seek for my parents, though you find it hard to accept. How could I ever forget you? You became a part of me. Arian's words brought tears in both men's eyes. Karim started to cry because he realized that kindness does win over hurt and anger, and because Arian really loved him as a father. It was the first time he had said that. As for Arian, he cried because he knew he may never see his adoptive father again. He wanted to come back every once in a while, but something kept telling him it was the last time they saw each other. They hugged, gave each other a pat on the back, and went upstairs to have their rest for the night. The next morning, Arian still wanted to have breakfast with Karim. So he woke up before his adoptive father and made the most delicious breakfast he could think of. And tea for him, plus coffee for Karim. The smell of the food invaded Karim's nose while he was sleeping, so he woke up involuntarily, but with a smile on his face. He knew who was cooking at that time of the day. Consequently, he got dressed and rushed downstairs to spend every second he could with Arian. Good morning, father, Arian greeted, rising his cup of tea. Coffee is ready and so is breakfast. Good morning, Arian. Karim replied, let me serve you today, please. You prepared, I will serve. The moment Arian greeted him, in Karim's heart, the same feeling of last encounter sprang. That was the reason why he wanted to do half of the work. But Arian wanted Karim to fully enjoy their meal, so he stood up and was about to bring in the already set plate. But the owner of the empire stopped him. Please sit down. Let me do this. Arian sat back in his chair and Karim brought the plates. They ate in silence, yet Karim didn't drink his coffee on purpose. He knew that if he didn't finish his coffee, Arian would stay a bit longer until the last sip was over. And that gave them a chance to have another last discussion. Karim secretly hoped he could make Arian change his mind. But he didn't. After Karim finished his coffee, Arian stood up and said, I am very happy we crossed path in this life, father. So am I, son. So am I, Karim whispered. They parted ways eventually, but Arian felt at peace knowing that he left Karim in a way better state of mind that he had found him. He didn't look back he stopped by Joachim and Artema's place to tell them about his decision. He couldn't look back when he left them either. The next stop he made was at a store he found some time ago as he had seen a piece of clothing he wanted, something that looked like a robe in a shady blue color and a pair of black leather sandals. He bought them and left. It wasn't the proper weather for this new outfit, but he was willing to test his limit and see how much he could endure. Again, he had no idea where he was heading to. He knew that his parents' house should be the next stop, but for some reason he felt like having a few months detour before getting there. And so he decided to travel across the country, as he never did that, but always hoped for. He jumped in the first train, 
who would leave the city and would have the longest traveling time. He wanted to enjoy every minute of it. He looked on the window to admire the sight. He talked to his companions and he had snacks he never tasted before. When the train stopped for more than two minutes, he would go down at the station, looked around, inhaled fresh air, and got back up. He traveled for more than 12 hours. He was physically tired, but his mind was pumping excitement. He finally felt he was set free of any sort of burden. He descended at the last stop of the train and started walking. For the following weeks, that is all he did. Everywhere he found a poor man, woman or a child, he would pause and have a few words with them. He gave them money for a full day's meal and looked for a chance for them to have a shelter. For the children, he would try hard to find a place for them to go to school. For the grown-ups, he looked for employment. He wanted to build homeless places, yet he had given away his money to the people on the streets. But that was no obstacle for him. He did it before for Kareem without having any funds. Therefore, although he knew no one, he talked to people, tied new relationships in no time and convinced them to either invest in the project or to work for the place soon to be built. He gathered skilled constructors and asked them to teach their crafts to the people of the streets. He talked to restaurant owners and arranged hot meals three times a day for the workers and the kids he had put in school. For some unknown reason, people were as if under a spell when he talked to them. As such, they couldn't refuse him, but they soon began to see how their own town or village would flourish because of his deeds. And in a few months time, the word of mouth traveled around the country about a man who wore a strange shady blue robe had no money, but would build shelters for the poor. Everyone wanted to meet him. Everyone adored him for his heart, especially the less fortunate, for whom he was the savior. Most people didn't even know his name because he was too busy arranging everything, yet too humble to have the willingness of being credited for his deeds. Until this day, he doesn't understand why people consider him a saint he thinks to himself with true blush in his cheeks. I don't deserve all this. I'm just an apprentice of life who never ceases an attempt to learn a difficult spell. What makes me so special in the eyes of all these people? One summer day, he feels that time to go back home has come. He already visited the entire country, mostly by foot after he first traveled by train. So now it's time to return to his homeland. He jumps on the train with a tremendous excitement for meeting his parents again. But the train seems to be moving very slow, so he decides to rest his head. He sleeps during the entire journey, so the intendant wakes him up when the train arrives at the railway station. As soon as he sets foot on the ground, he realizes how weak he is due to the lack of food and water but there's no money left in his pocket. He spent the last cent on the train ticket. There's not much left and I will soon be at my parents' house. I can eat there, Arian thinks to himself. 
So this thought gives him another boost of energy and he starts walking. After a few hours, he arrives at his parents' house, starving and dehydrated. He knocks at the door, but no one opens. He gathers all his powers and knocks again. If only there was a doorbell, he thinks. But eventually, someone opens and Arian falls inside. When he wakes up, he sees his father next to him. He is tapping the ground with his foot, angry because his son doesn't wake up. The father didn't want him there. The first thing Arian hears is, Why on earth did you come back? To faint in the doorway? Crap, what do you want? The father merciless asked. Woman, this guy woke up. Come say hello. The father screamed with a mocking voice. Come greet him with some motherly love. He carried on loudly laughing mischievously while leaving the room. His mother showed up laughing mockingly as well. Hello, my son. Did you have a good faint? I mean, rest after you surprised us with that histrionic entrance? The mother laughed at him. Arian couldn't believe how wrong he was. He traveled the country to visit them and forget the past, and they greet him like this? He had turned evil into good before, but he felt too weak to make an attempt on his parents. He found himself in the same place he has left a few years ago, mistreated, always mocked, underappreciated, and unwanted. And he hoped to get something to eat there. That was the final lesson life has taught him. I just want to talk to you both for a few minutes, Arian told his mother in an extinguished voice. Whatever about? She asked with the same mocking voice. Any other show you want to put on for us? We're not your audience. By hearing these words, he understands that all his hopes have been in vain. So without saying any words, he takes his things and leaves his parents' house for the second time. He finally understands that some things simply cannot change, regardless of the good intentions, high hopes, and efforts one puts into countless attempts. He is weak, but staying there is sudden death. That place was the only one to never welcome him. And his parents are, unfortunately, the only people who don't understand that their vision of life is too old. They only see that it always has been this way. They cannot get over their jealousy on his genius mind. They are stubbornly clinging on to a life of deprivation and deny learning anything from their existence. He finally understands that people will never change unless they want to. And he finally accepts that the mentor cannot teach unless the mentee is ready. He lives with sorrow in his heart because he carries a huge respect for his parents, regardless of their behavior or lack of understanding. But he cannot let himself put down like this. He is aware that he needs to live his life on his own terms. And they wouldn't even listen to what he has to say. While he steps farther and farther from his parents' house, 
his weak body makes him kneel. As he surrenders to the light of the sun, a thought shapes in his head, loud and clear. Being different is a blessing, and I will never deny my own self again. I am now ready to go home. Allow me please to greet my beautiful and very patient guest, Rahila Khan. Hi, Rahila. Welcome to Impact by Choice again. Thank you for having been with us for all this series and thank you for agreeing to be with us for the last chapter of the book and bring your valuable insights. How are you today? Hi, Andrada. I'm good. Warmest greetings to you and to our dear listeners. I'm good, thank you. And how are you? Um, oh, I know, I know. This is actually the most emotional episode probably and most emotional question that I need to address to you because it's the last of our series yeah I feel so you know melancholic and just thinking about everything in reverse you know all the quality time that we spent together and um, all the wisdom that you chose to benevolently share with us and be there for us and you know, all the compliments that you gave me personally and um, to my book. And, you know, there's, there's this, um, how do I say that? This bundle of, of high emotions and I, I don't even know how to call it, you know, because I'm, I'm becoming speechless Perhaps. just by knowing that is the last episode. <laughs> Perhaps I may jump in here and say, you know, um, in life, there's no beginning, there's no end, it's eternal, that in mourning, mourning the death of something, we celebrate life as well. You know, it's like when somebody passes on, we mourn their death and we also celebrate their life and what they bring. So your book is kind of the same with both of us in mourning and celebrating and crying and laughing together. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah, but you know how you always say that when you're mourning for someone, for instance, that you need to let that, internalize that and let it be, right? And then you yeah. let the emotion um, yeah. flow in your body and just live with it. So that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. Anradha, <laughs> what is coming up for you? What is coming up for you right now? What emotion is coming up for you? It's, it's Let's go with the negative. Let's go with the negative so we can teach the listeners how it's done. Come now. Um, who with the negative? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that I'm losing something very, very dear to me. Ah. Put such, um, such, so much love and so much intensity in writing that book. Um, and probably that's why it happened so fast, right? Being written in a week. And now that we're finishing discussing about it, it's like letting go of my baby. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. You know that how all parents need at some point to let go of their children when they need to yeah. grow up and start learning their own lessons. Well, I think that's exactly how I feel about 
uh, about letting go of my, you know, all these teachings about my book and all, all these wonderful series. With you. <laughs> so where in your body are you feeling that loss? If I had to ask you, I'll take a moment, where in your body are you feeling this loss? Heavily in my throat. Beautiful. So bring your focus into your throat with me. Breathe into your throat. Let's take a moment, close your eyes. <clears throat> and bring all your focus and awareness inside your throat and befriend the loss. Say hello to the loss. Breathe into it. Take a deep breath in. Surrender and release now. And feel how it feels to lose a baby <clears throat> like crying yes go into the crying and feel like you want to cry it's okay to weep all permission granted for you to cry to weep and again using your breath befriend that part of your body where you feel like crying <clears throat> and just breathe with me and release. And what is there now? As you let go, as you breathe, surrender and release, what is there now? Hmm. I don't even, I wouldn't know how to explain this. What is going on? Yeah. Like, let your body speak. It hurts. I think that's... Ah. That's it. So feel the hurt. Feel the hurt. Where in your body are you feeling the hurt? You're doing great. Where in your body are you feeling the hurt? The most? Heavily in my stomach. Beautiful. Bring your, bring your focus into your stomach area. And befriend the hurt, that, that feeling, that sensation in your stomach. Say hello to the hurt in your stomach. And once again, using your breath, access that hurt and breathe. Surrender and release. That's it. You're doing great. And I what is in the heart and core of hurt? Hey? I literally feel, feel like crying, Rahila, right now. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, and it's okay to cry. If you want to cry, it's okay. Open into that. Okay. Where in your body are you feeling most vulnerable that you want to cry right now? In my brain, because definitely this is something for sure that I think that it would be a first in a podcast for someone to cry. I mean, if, even this, what you are doing right now is a first. You're actually doing a live session. Yeah. In this, in, in this. And I feel God or the universe and the infinite intelligent wants this for the listeners because we're teaching a very important skill. Okay. Are you willing to, to engage with me? And it's okay if you do not want to as well. I always want to engage with your teachings, Rahila, so I'm completely open. 
Thank you. All love and permission is granted. <clears throat> know that the whole universe and every human on the planet is supporting you in your healing. And this healing is for the highest good of yourself, your family, and all of humanity, and open into the gift of healing. And welcome that <clears throat> vulnerability in your brain that wants you to cry right now, that all permission is granted for you to cry. And as you cry, we all cry with you. And just open into exposure of that. Okay. <clears throat> Beautiful. You're doing great. And let it come. Let it come. Just open into the heart and core of that. That's it. You know what's actually the trigger of my crying in all our sessions, right? It's yeah. That, that phrase of yours that all the universe and everything is supporting you right now. So that has always been a trigger for me for this. Yes, because, you, you know, perhaps you never felt that support growing up as a kid. And suddenly the moment of truth is that God and the universe, the infinite intelligence has always been supporting you. But you didn't know that, you see? And now that you know, it hits home, am I right? Yeah. And I'm not Beautiful. sure. Beautiful. Welcome. I'm not sure if it's a, from a place of actual hurt or the crying can be of gratitude that I'm feeling so supported. Yeah, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's okay. But welcome support, Anrada. Welcome the support. That all love and support is there for whatever it is, in a positive way, in a negative way, it doesn't matter. But open into the truth of that. That's it. Are you willing to accept support, love, gratitude right now? And let it flow into your being? Always. Beautiful. Allow for that to happen. And allow every particle, every subatomic particle, every molecule of your beingness to be suffused with love, gratitude, support. <clears throat> And just rest in that. What kind of space are you in right now? To be completely, completely honest and transparent, I'm in that space where um, I do want to do this, yet it feels very weird. I mean, we've yeah. been doing this you know, privately for some time. But to do this in this fashion is pretty weird. So it's, yeah. If it's not sitting right, then it's okay to come out of it. No, it's okay if, you, if you're saying that it will be of great help for someone else that I'm completely willing to do this. Beautiful. So, so just immerse yourself 
immerse yourself into love, gratitude, support. Because so often for many people, they don't know how to receive. True. And today you're teaching that. We are teaching that today. How to stay open to be this receptacle of receiving. Support, love. You know, in the way Kareem did with Arian. Yeah. That's it. And how does it feel if you would be willing to share with your listeners? How does it feel when you feel so supported? When there's so much love? When you receive so much love? I think the most powerful word would be uh, to say that you feel invincible. You feel... Um, on the top of the world, but not on the top of the other people. It's just on the top of your limitations. Beautiful. That is amazing. So just bask in it, steep in it, rest in it. Do you feel more centered now? I feel like I'm completely engaged to, to what's going on. And if that means that I'm completely centered, yeah. Beautiful. So take a deep breath in. <clears throat> and open into love and gratitude for sharing this today. In such exposure. And thank your body for its courage, for its commitment for truth, in being authentic, in being human first. That you are an amazing teacher to others. In promoting leadership of love, in being human first. And I thank you. And when you're ready, you can take a nice deep breath in. And you can slowly open your eyes and bring your awareness back into the room. Wow. That's always intense really intense it's like you know what, what else i would like to to share with the listeners that if i may with your permission is that every time that we're doing this even though just through the breathing exercise is um is bringing that calmness you know it, your your body reacts in such a way to this way of breathing that is, that is absolutely impossible to describe. Still, um, if, if the listeners went all the way through until this point from the beginning, you saw that in the beginning I was um, completely agitated and I was like, I wanted to be all over the place and just I didn't want to let Rahila go and let all this adventure go and I, I still don't want this to happen 
I still don't want this to finish. Still, you can probably visible, visibly notice the calmness in my voice right now. So what I'm trying to say is that until having all these sessions with my beautiful mentor over here, Rahila Khan, I never knew, I, never, I was never aware of such benefits of only breathing and keeping yourself centered to only one thing, okay? So it's like everybody speaks about the benefits of uh, a well-done breathing. Everybody speaks of the healing power of it. However, until you actually experience it on your own body, on your own mind, um, it's only then when you will fully understand what it's all about. And that's what actually happened to me. And I'm really, really grateful that, Rahila, you you came with this brilliant idea so that we share this with the listeners today. Even if it was completely uncomfortable for me, especially in the beginning, because you know how we always speak about that old belief system and all the labels that people put on the others and what happens. Um, so even though we've been talking about all this, there's still this thing, you know, that on the spot, when you want to do it, you still feel stuck like you cannot do it. And what else I want to add here is, as you can see, if you put your mind to it, and if you are willing enough to do it, you can do it. We all know how hard it is to grow, right? Especially if we are in the first month or years of our journey, of our business startup, or we're coaching, or we're writing, and we want to spread the word about us. We all know that it's pretty difficult to get the word out there. But that's exactly where I come in. I want to host an ad about your business into my podcast, Impact by Choice. So look me up on LinkedIn, Andrada Anite. I would love to work with you further on, and I would love to help you boost the visibility of your brand. Get ready for the free global app that works for you. WorkApp is set to revolutionize the way people connect in their personal and professional lives. Finally, there's a one-stop shop to help you post jobs or gain employment. Would you like your very own digital shop without any fees or charges? A global messaging service. And you can also post all types of events and courses, and you can buy, sell, or rent any items you wish. WorkApp is a global platform that helps you find what you need, when you need it, without any costs or delays. So, sign up for this exciting new service today. WorkApp works for you. So thank you, Rahila. Wow, I'm literally blown away. You know, you you just keep pushing the envelope. You just keep, you know, blowing this work out of the water, Andrada. Really, you're so amazing. You know, to be doing this live, I never thought. I, I so 
I had ideas of how do I put this work across that I do because I know the benefits, mm-hmm. you know, that it brings to people. And so often, you know, we can write testimonials. People yeah. can give you voice recordings of testimonials. But for as long as somebody does not witness what I do yeah. and see the results, yeah. it, it, it is, this is something I'm just amazed. I'm just so amazed. At, at the level and the depth that you took yourself. See, you gave yourself permission to do what you did. Yeah. And I, I, I salute you. I salute your courage and your inner strength for sharing this today with the listeners. What a gift for humanity. And you know what is a greater gift, Andrada, arising out of your podcast going into the future? Mm. I think we have to do more and more of these sessions to teach others how to do it because obviously I can't facilitate everyone one-on-one yeah but if you can teach them simple techniques in how to access feel emotions go through the layers and come to a place of well-being in an instant you know whether they're at home whether in the workplace whether in a supermarket it doesn't matter but if we can teach this that in a heartbeat you can you can experience freedom it's such yeah. a gift for you. You're right. It really you're is. Right. So because, you know, sorry, let me interrupt you for a second here. Uh, you're right because you know that usually it takes me way longer to wind down, as you say, right? From um, yeah. a moment of highest, of the highest intensity, you know, with the help of breathing and all your techniques and all your teachings, it still takes me up to at least probably 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes to wind down and get to that place where I got today in just a few minutes, I think under five minutes. So um, to be honest, I am dazzled about what just happened and about how you managed to bring me there in such a short while and that we're actually sharing all this with everyone i'm i i am lost for words today i'm lost for words so you know what i'm just gonna say gratitude 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 to god the universe the infinite intelligence whatever superpower that's out there to bring this teaching the way it happened wow i'm amazed wow it is Wow, it is. I, I can't do anything else but echo you on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you know it's, it's so incredible because, you know, we had this chit-chat before this podcast and, and we said, you know, how similar we are. And, and yeah. that is what being human is, is falling into oneness. True. Falling into oneness that... that we get each other to such a degree that in the teaching, it, teaching must be so playful. It must be so joyous. It must be so fun. Nobody wants to be in a lecture room all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Everything is, is so hardcore out there. Everything <laughs> is so hardcore. Like, do that. Don't do this. Do that. Do it that way. Oh, you know, and it's just too much for the brain. It's an overload. I love teaching in a playful way. I love teaching the way we did right now. It's spontaneous. It's in the moment. It's in the now. And that is such an amazing gift. Thank you for that. Thank you. 
for allowing me to to do this for myself for and for for everyone else so it's yeah for sure now i'm gonna feel better you know about addressing today's question about the last chapter um it's like again i'm winded down and i'm more calm yeah that's that's actually the word yes you are present yeah i'm present i'm not i'm I'm (laughs) not thinking about what's coming up next so much because you know what actually uh take us to that feeling of melancholy that i was feeling right because we're either thinking about what was in the past um and what's coming next what is supposed to come after this end so yeah that's why i'm i'm so grateful great things that. great things are coming yeah oh well now i can't wait to to see those great things that are <laughs> but from knowing you and from having had this amazing collaboration with you i'm sure that um saying that great things are coming um is sort of misunderstand understatement so I'm with you on that. So are we ready to go into discussing about um, this question today, Rahila? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely ready. Go for it. Okay. So uh, from having read the entire chapter, which they chose to give away to, uh, to you, the listeners, in order to um, get a taste of how a life full of adventure and of learning can have a closure in a sense, right? So after, after uh, giving away all this chapter, I want to stress out a few things. And one of the most important thing is that as you could see, as you could hear actually, um, you know, from day-to-day life, family can become strangers and strangers can become family, just like dear Rahila became to me in the last year. Um, And um, Rahila, as you said many times in our conversation, we are to meet our cosmic family once we're open to it. So based on this chapter and the entirely recounted life, of the main character throughout the book. What should we take away after closing the covers of this book? Thank you, Andrada. Um, Yes, you are part of my cosmic family. You are my cosmic family. So welcome. And I'm so enjoying it and loving every moment of this, you know. Me too. So what do we take away? Thank you. What do we take away is that <clears throat> each person's journey is their own. Um, our parents give birth to us and, and they do the best that they can given the resources that they have, given the circumstances that they have. And most of the time, parents actually don't know any better. However, coming through our experiences, our own experiences, and I can share from my own experience that I might have had a very 
difficult childhood with my parents fighting or arguing all the time and having all these differences and hardships that I made choices for myself in how when I observed what they did and didn't do that I would take the good the wisdom that they gave us or gave me and how will I turn it around to be the best mom how would I turn it around to be the best business person out there because I learned a lot you know through my dad in his business and um, uh, it's such a privilege you know that I didn't have to go to university to study business in a way I went to business school and you learn the fine tricks of business <clears throat> however I still believe you can learn something from a textbook however I am of the belief that life will teach you the best when you shadow someone, I shadowed my dad in his business and I could see why he always said, oh, you want a new TV? Come work for it. You want something else? Come and work for it. And at that time I thought, oh crap, why must I work for everything when somebody else is just getting everything? You know? Yeah. When you compare yourself with your friends. I compared myself a lot to my very good friend. And I thought, no, her dad is in the building industry. He's a building contractor and he's, she's getting everything. So why must I work for everything? I couldn't understand that. And I, you know, sometimes as kids, we internalize it as punishment. Mm -hmm. But actually it's not. Because when I look back now, in whatever my dad taught me through his business and I shadowed him, I even remember taking some time out, you know, to, for about three months just to learn everything about his business. And he taught me so much before he passed on. And today I'm so gratitude, I mean, so much gratitude for that. So coming back to the book, and when we look at Arian and, and his life with his parents reminded me a lot of myself in the way I judge my parents and, and I also like him, made a, made a conscious choice to get out of home and I left. Once I became self-sufficient, self-reliant, I left home. And of course, with Arian, he didn't have a job to go to. I was well-educated, so I was already a professional in a great, you know, teaching. I was in the teaching fraternity, so I was earning well. Arian, on the other hand, didn't have that. He didn't have the financial independence. So what I learned and what I'd like to share with the listeners from this that the human experience is, is an evolution based on our past experiences in both a positive and negative way, if I may say that. Because so often we carry our past hurts and pains into the present if we don't know how to heal it, and I didn't know any better, therefore I do what I do now because nobody taught me the art of healing as much as I, I went through various teachings and sat with various masters, um, I learned through my own experience. I had to experience the knowledge. So being in business school, learning everything about entrepreneurship is one thing. I can tell you, and rather entrepreneurship is about innovative thinking. It's about creating abundance. It's about coming up with new ideas. It's about perseverance. But you can hear these words, but it's meaningless. 
until you're in it and you're experiencing it. That's so and true. that is what I learned from owning my own franchise to being in a business to setting up my private practice to doing what I am doing now. I learned lateral thinking skills. I learned how to do many things at one time in how to create abundance and prosperity. Now, when you look at Arian, and that, that is where your biological family comes in, and that is where your cosmic family comes in. Mm -hmm. So like Arian, let's look at Arian first before I talk about myself, is that he left home and he didn't know where he was going to be, where life was taking him until he met Radha. And she took him in. And she took such good care of him. She just opened into loving, caring, and nurturing. And Erin didn't realize the power of choice until he met Radha. And what was that power of choice? The power of choice was to say no to his toxic parents, no to judgment, no to be putting down all the time. You see, his parents didn't know any better, and most parents do this to the kids in that they come by their past programming and learned behavior of what society dictates to them, that your kid has to be educated in a certain way, achieve in a certain way. Um, by the time he's 18, he or she has to be financially independent. They must leave home. Um, they have to be in a university and excel. And once you have your university degree or diploma, you're now getting to a job or you start your own business. And then, hello, you seem to be successful. Hmm. It's a vicious game. And, and if children don't do that, they are seen to be the black sheep of the family. They are seen to be losers. You are good for nothing. And that's exactly what happened to Erin. And what is the sad thing about this, as we come to the close of the book, is that Erin, after being out in the big wide world, he, his sense of growth has been amazing. He became so magnificent as a human being in giving and sharing and uplifting and developing communities that his parents were totally unaware of that. They didn't even bother to find out where is my child, what is he doing? No matter how small or bigger community is, that our own biological family, they don't do that. And they are the, they are the biggest strangers in our life. Yet our DNA resonates with them so deeply that we want to keep going back. And he realized in going back, he went in for more punishment. Yeah. He didn't realize his journey from the time he left home over the years, um, doing what he did in two restaurants in the orphanage and coming back as such a com competent human being that they viewed him with the same eyes. They viewed him from the same space that they knew him to be. So here's the thing. You know what we shared today, Anrada, at the beginning of this podcast was how to feel and access our hurt and pain. Yeah. And the moment you release it, a biochemical change happens inwardly. Can you see from 10 minutes ago to now, you have changed. But people who don't know what you've done just now will still view you the same. 
from yesterday, three days ago. They don't know the work you're doing in yourself. And unfortunately, family does that. Families do that to all of us, where they want to view you the same way. They don't see by you venturing out, by you being on social media, that you are growing. In every moment, you are growing because you're exposed to the big wide world. Today, you do not need, need to leave home to get an education. You do not need to, to leave home to allow your innate wisdom to flow because technology has done that for us. Time and distance is relative. Yeah. You in Romania, I'm in South Africa. In this very moment, my family don't know what I'm doing with you globally, but they will view me as they saw me two days ago. They haven't seen my growth. True. And that, those are the human limitations we need to access and we need to grow beyond that. And how yeah. do we do that? Yes, Andrada? Yeah. Um, if I may, I would like to interrupt you here because I have a question that I need to address now, otherwise I'm going to uh, yeah. lose it. And I feel that it's very important. Um, yeah. Because we're speaking about parents seeing their children in the same way throughout their entire life because if we're looking at it on a deeper level that's actually what happens right you can see sparkles of improvement however a child will always be regarded as a child in a parent's eyes hundred percent hundred percent why it happens because we have these limitations as parents or as yes in the beginning I think as parents, because what happens as parents, because of the way we were raised, we were made to be seen as daddy's little girl, mama's little boy. And in parents' eyes, they don't want to see you grow. Mm. In, 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 not in a bad way, if you know what I mean. In yeah, just commas. from that melancholic state of being, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know what? I just want you to remain my baby. Yeah. And they don't realize, and I did this for my child as well. You know, at times I just refer to him as my baby. He's 30 years old. Hello. I'm yeah. still calling him my baby. And I know he loves it, but I, I do it now more consciously because I know he's an adult. I respect him for who he is. He's just me being a mom. You know? And I say, bye, my baby, or something like that. You know? It's just, yeah. it's just who we are as parents that... We want to hold on to our kids in a particular way. And that as much as they're growing and they're evolving, we're in denial somewhere along the line. And similarly, children do the same as parents. They don't want to accept we're getting older. Because for fear of losing us, they don't want us to get older or be sick or have aches and pains because of the fear of losing us. So I think it's the same thing. You know, earlier on in the podcast, you spoke about your book. It's like a loss of a baby. Yeah. And as parents, when our children leave home, we go through emptiness in syndrome. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Right? However, in Arian's case, what had happened, his parents were so gung-ho about him making something of himself to be seen as being successful parents. Like, you know, wow, I can talk about my child who's a professor in something or my child is, is a teacher, or my child is a scientist, or my child is an accountant. I don't know what their dreams and aspirations were for him, 
However, he felt very let down because he didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. He wanted to live his own dreams and aspirations, not fulfill his parents' dreams and aspirations. And I think that's where the disconnect was. And so often it is with parents and children. There's total disconnect because parents' view is how their children must be according to society's view. To fit in. Otherwise, you don't fit in. Can you see that? They feel ashamed that my child is, is not doing anything. He's among, he amounts to a big fat zero. Yeah. What have I got to show for it? But they didn't see. Arian, on the other hand, had so much potential. He was an absolute gift to humanity. Isn't it sad that the parents didn't see that? Yeah. Yeah. Fact. True. And they still viewed him as an old Arian. To a point where he said to his dad and his mom, I want to say something. Please let me speak. And do you know, they both just disregarded his, his request. And that was a moment of awakening for him. That was a moment of truth. Hello, I am wasting my time. It's time to move on. And herein again is a big lesson. Become the change we want to see in others. Yeah, yeah, but and it's I think very that is when he truly walked away. I think that this is the hardest thing for each individual to to accept. Actually, those moments of you know coming into the realization that we need to take our destiny into our own hands and to mostly rely on our thought process. But before that, obviously, um, learning how to think for ourselves needs to come into play. Let me tell you about a new show that I came across lately. It's called One Nation Radio and is that kind of show that simply unites the entire world through the voice of the host. So just go ahead, give it a listen and support John Gora, who is a new podcaster and will definitely appreciate it. If you want to learn more about the book that we're talking about, you can head to WorkApp or Amazon, look for The Man, The Moon and The Cascade. You're going to find it there. Let me know what you think about it. Thanks. Hundred percent. You see, this is what's so fantastic about technology today, that the way you and I are learning from each other, that teenagers have access to internet and to the global world where we can learn and cross barriers and, and learn to respect each other, irrespective of our differences, that we can befriend whoever we want worldwide. And Parents so often don't get that. And children have evolved and grown so much globally, they're still stuck in a rut because they haven't even begun to access their cell phones or their computers to see what's happening globally. Most parents are stuck because they come from their own limitations. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with Arian and his parents. Although he didn't do it via technology, he, he literally went out into the world and he explored it for himself. He came into his own self-investigation, his own self-validation of who he is 
And that is where the most growth happened for him mm -hmm. in the people he met. Can you see that? And yeah. that is where the exchange happens as we are doing via LinkedIn. What are we doing? We are sharing each other's expertise. We're sharing each other's skills. We're sharing skills in how to become competent. And I think that is so amazing that we can give so liberally to each other and share. Nobody is holding on anymore to IP. You know, at one time there was this intellectual property and there were a whole lot of legalities about it. Nowadays, nobody cares in a way because knowledge is there. It belongs to everyone. Everyone has taken something from somewhere. Everyone has learned from some master and created something different. They think they created something new, but hello, no, it's as old as the hills. We're basically tapping into ancient knowledge. We're tapping into ancient wisdom. And where is it? It's latent genius in our DNA. So I was having this chat with someone on LinkedIn and he shared, and I was talking to him about the human computer hard drive, the DNA. And he said, you know, Rahila, it makes perfect sense what you're saying because you are just affirming what I said to this guy who's a designer and he's coming up with all these new ideas of fashion, but actually his fashion is from the 1920s, so it's not new. Right. <laughs> it's just somewhere in times, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, he said, you know what? And I told him it's in your DNA. And I said, absolutely. It's all generational patterns. It's inherent in our DNA. So what we're doing when we meet somebody or we read a textbook or we watch a movie, it hits home because our DNA, the intracellular memories come up and say, wow, that made such an impact on me. And yes, you know, so in the work I do, I believe coming from my past, and I know my grandmother was an amazing healer. That's my mom's mom. And um, I think, and, and I opened into that couple months ago and I said oh my god she was so amazing in her wisdom and how she viewed things especially when it came to inter intercultural marriages interracial marriages and she was so she was so amazing she she could see beyond you know what was going on and yet she was from India and I thought oh my god I've got my my grandmother's genes and therefore, I have this openness to life. Therefore, I have this openness for humanity because she taught me, well, it's in my genes. So it's nothing new. And that's exactly why now I realize why subconsciously, I mean, without learning this story, because seriously, I just learned it now from you about your grandma being a great healer in the past. Yeah. But... Now it hits home to me why I called you healer because you know that I nicknamed you, so to speak, healer. And I'm saying this <laughs> from the bottom of my Thank heart you. because I feel it. But now I understand why. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you know what you did as, as that guy was affirming that, that fashion designer and whatever I shared with him said, yeah, it's a confirmation what I said is right. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to say that to you. Thank you for affirming that because when I was sitting, when I was sitting in my practitioner's training program and I, and I remember this so vividly, I was sitting in the front row and I had another delegate sit next to me and we just began chatting and she said, you know, we introduced ourselves. Of course, we had name badges, so she saw my name 
And she said, oh, my God, look at your name. And I thought, oh, what's a big hoo-ha about my name? And she says, look at your name. It's R-A, which means light. Bruh. Yeah. And she said, and H-I-L-A is healer. You are a light healer. <laughs> wow. Okay. And you just said it and you call me healer, you know? And, and, and only now, it just, wow, it just hit me again, you know? But yeah. this is the thing. Can you see? Sometimes we believe we need to go to university, we need to study, we need to do. Can I share something today? And I say this, you know, with, with, with so much humility, because as a single mom, I couldn't afford to just go into programs to learn to learn about healing, to learn about psychology, to learn more about intracellular healing. And there had to be other ways of healing, you know, uh, beyond psychology. And because I didn't have the means to, but I knew I had, I was a member of the municipal library that I had a card for membership. So what did I do? I went every week and I borrowed seven books because we could borrow seven books at a time to read. And even two weeks, but I would read so extensively because I was seeking. I was seeking something. And most of what I do is self-taught. So being on all the programs as, as a practitioner, as an entrepreneur, as whatever I did, is to it was just a reminder saying to me from the book knowledge that, hello, your latent genius knows this. So therefore, I come from a place of inner listening all the time and being an intuitive coach that I can take myself when I'm when I am facilitating, I can literally have that experience with my client, like with you today. Mm -hmm. I'm immersed in your healing because I can do that. No textbook teaches you that. Life taught me that. You sure. see? So it's the same. It's the same for Arian. Whatever he learned came from his own space because he walked the path alone. So here's the other gift of life, um, you know, that, that you wrote in your book. Like Arian, in walking the path alone, we experience interconnectedness to an experience greater than a family. We begin to see that others are in worse situations and we learn then to have gratitude. You see, when he left home, he thought his life was bad, that it's the worst life ever. I mean, I can say the same for me. Until I met other people along the way, like Arian, and I said, oh, my God. In fact, my life was a breeze compared to what they are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So, so often we, we see that as we walk the path alone, there is this interconnectedness that we have that, again, it comes back to no man is an island, as it were, in right. that we see as Arian, when he ventured and he walked the path alone, he met the most amazing people. And in talking and engaging with them, we come to the realization that actually their lives are worse than ours. Yeah. And in that moment, we open into gratitude. Gratitude that we have so much. And you start, 
paying attention to that when when you have a moment of self-reflection, self-investigation. And when we start making mental notes, or even if you write it down, all the things you're grateful for, you will find the list is never ending. And the moment we start doing that, when we come into gratitude, guess what? We create more and more abundance, prosperity, and happiness for ourselves and for everyone else. Because we learn the art of giving and receiving. Do you see that? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And, 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 I, and I've learned, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people talking about this on LinkedIn, but only right now that you explained it um, in, in such a manner, I, I fully got it, why it's so important to, um, to have gratitude and to make those mental notes or written notes, whatever. You know, Andrada, there's something else I want to share. It's a very important point that you made. Again, it can come from the intellect, from the headspace of gratitude. Have gratitude, be grateful, have gratefulness. People say this all the time. Do you know, in all my years of doing this work and and looking at gratitude and counting my blessings, I only truly experienced gratitude about two years ago, where I truly experienced it in my entire being. It's something that you feel, you know, like compassion. Mm -hmm. How do we learn compassion? We learn compassion through our own pain. Yeah, yeah. Can you see that? Same with gratitude. You can only experience gratitude when you truly experience gratitude, when you have zero, when you have nothing. And then when something happens, you say, wow, I'm so grateful. You really, truly feel it in every fiber of your being. That is gratitude. Yeah. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I I think I do. (laughs) I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, So the other thing is, you see, it's good. It's interesting to hear you said, I think I do. It's about feeling it, not thinking it. When you feel gratitude and you think gratitude, it's two different things. That's so true. Thinking it, the mind gets in the way. Feeling it, your entire body feels it. It has a biochemical charge in there. It's a radical shift within you that makes you feel so humble, that makes you feel Ah, I can't tell you how grateful I am. Can you feel that? That energy in your entire being. That's what I'm talking about. But what is so beautiful in, in Arian's journey um, to Woodrather through the restaurant, through the orphanage and coming back to Kasim, Kareem's uh, restaurant is the teaching of no possessiveness. Mm. Nobody possesses anything. There's only getting and giving. And can you see, in just observing that through the characters of your book, and I'm watching this in my own life, there can only be quality. Yeah. When there's no possessiveness to say this is mine, um, everything belongs to me. Radha didn't say that. This restaurant is mine, so you can't take anything out of it. Yeah. Can you say that? Because that gave Arian permission when he met Kareem to say to Kareem, you know what, I've got people that can help you. 
In other words, he's saying, I've got human resource for mm-hmm. to turn your restaurant around. He didn't seek permission from, you know, the other restaurant or the people who are managing the restaurant because there was a sense of giving and sharing and uplifting communities. In community building, there's no possessiveness. So, you know, in learning possessiveness and non-possessiveness, we look at um, Kareem. That, he, that idea didn't dawn on him that he must go back to the first restaurant and seek permission from the managers, the new managers, mm-hmm. Ajoke and Atima, um, to see that if they are okay with, with assisting or letting go of their staff to help the new restaurant. Um, he, he just somehow knew from a place that nothing belongs to anybody, that we can share, we can give. There is a common understanding Mm-hmm. I think that level of understanding is crucial and rather because so often you don't get that. True, true. You know that even if I if I don't seek your permission, I can make a commitment because I trust you implicitly to say when I come back to you, not and rather I have this thought, I have this idea of helping someone. Um, would it be okay, you know, if you let go of your staff, for example? Mm-hmm. Because I so trust you and you trust me. There's that level of understanding. I think that is so important in women relationships. It is for sure. It is, yeah. Can you see that? And I think this is where we can learn as well in managing our teams in businesses, that we must trust our team, irrespective of who they are, to come up with ideas that we must be so approachable to listening to them that it can be implemented for, for what? For growth and expansion. Right. Collaboration, consultation, uh, support, all of these things we talk about all the time. And it happens so organically here in this chapter in the book. So it's so beautiful to bring this book to closure coming from that space where there's only a sense of giving and sharing, collaboration and growth. So the more we want others to grow and prosper, what happens? We manifest more abundance prosperity for ourselves. Um, in the very act of giving, we begin receiving. So let us take these valuable lessons from this character, the main character in your book, Arian, and let us surround ourselves with people who empower us, believe in us, support us, uplift us, motivate us, inspire us, and most of all, appreciate us. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Andrada. I'd like to leave you with that. Yes, it is sad that we've come to the end of the book. However, there's so much that we take away from the book. And I think I like to salute your courage. I like to... um, I'd like to motivate you and inspire you to write more because you're very good at that in using characters to bring all our characters to play. You know, that's what books are about. You know, we identify with characters as in a movie. It's the same principle. So, wow, I look forward to, to working with you going forward in, in, in coming up with other creative ideas in what we can do to, to bring about greater healing for humans.
Um, and I think you are an amazing example, being that leader, in being so authentic and leaving yourself vulnerable as I do, um, that together we can make friends for all of humanity. Thank you so much. I, I, I send you huge love and blessings uh, for prosperity, abundance, happiness, and for the best life. Thank you so much for who you are. And I so do honor the beauty of your soul. Thank you, Anradha. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's like, you know, I, I feel like I should be the one so grateful for what you have put into this podcast series and for everything that you unfolded from my book. And again, for all the wisdom that you deliberately shared with us and just for being you, because it's like we've been discussing before and you mentioned it at some point that for some sort of reason, through our openness that came from both parties, right? Both from myself and you, um, yes. we have come into being one. It's weird. And I know that some listeners may interpret this um, in their own way, but that's actually what happened between the two of us and the yeah. synergy that can be felt and the energy exchange that we have between the two of us is um, I think the greatest reason to be grateful for. So thank you for the path with me throughout all this book for taking from your valuable time um, to be here with me and the audience. And as I said before, for, becoming my mentor over this time and for openly share every uh, every minute that you have available for me sharing it with me so thank you thank you Andrada. you know it's amazing that with greater intention and purpose how the universe will conspire to support anything i so believe that um you know, as you know, I'm extremely busy in my private practice and I'm also involved in community projects and as a consultant to certain businesses. That time is of the essence. However, it's amazing how the universe has conspired these podcasts, you know, uh, happen. That time manifested of its own accord for this. Yeah. And and for it to happen so organically for me is truly awe inspiring to even sit back and witness it. It's truly amazing. Yeah. So, so thank you. Me. So it's for me. Thank you, Rahila. Let me please ask you, as we're coming to we've already come to the end of this adventure. Um what's what's coming up next for you? in the near future? Hmm. Very good question. There's so many things happening. Um, you know, as you know, and I mentioned it, you know, even on LinkedIn from time to time, I'm busy writing a book hmm. and I hope to be teaching from that book. And um, I don't want to give away too much right now because what we could do in follow-up podcasts is 
perhaps if you're willing to have me on is to introduce the book. Lots of, love to. I know lots of my friends, lots of my cosmic family on LinkedIn are, are really, you know, waiting the release of my book. Me too. However, you know, I had planned for it to be released in January this year. But I also learned in life that sometimes things do not happen the way we want it to happen because the universe is conspiring for other things to happen with it. And um, what I'd like to say is that there's a reason why it has not been released, you know, earlier on in January, coming right until now, because there's so many bits and pieces that are coming to me. Mm-hmm. I think my prayer is so deep for the for the teaching from that book for to teach about personalities to teach about human evolution and all of this came through my own experience of being a facilitator and teaching this in mm-hmm. you know to, to thousands of people during a span of 20 years and I know that it is so valuable in the impact that it will make so I like wine. I would let it mature in its own time. <laughs> and when it's ready, we will savor it. <laughs> I can't That's wait. That's all I could say for now. Yeah. 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 And definitely it, I'm going to have you on my podcast again. That's, that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's not, not something that I need to think about twice. You know, I don't even need to think about it once. So yes, I'd love to have you with your book on the podcast. And I was thinking about one thing that we could do like um, immediately, you know, after putting this episode out as a follow-up, so to speak, to the series. Um, If you agree, I think that it would be um, useful for everyone um, if we received questions from people who have been listening previously to all the episodes that we put out and have been following our activities and um, answer them. So like having a Q- uh, Q&A session, you know, the two of us. So, Oh, I, I would absolutely love that. I think that's a brilliant idea, Anrada. I'm, I'm happy to answer whatever questions that come through to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is, so, that is so cool because so often we are always posting and talking about what we want to talk about. It's yeah. nice that somebody throws something at us and see what we can come up with in answering it the best way possible. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love that too. And but let's, see, let's see who will be the, that first person. I'm really excited now. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Okay, so let's just throw this at you. Um, the ones who give us your precious time and address this request to you. So if you have any questions for Rahila or for myself or for both of us uh, in regards to what we have put out uh, in this podcast previously or any sort of question that you may have and you would like us to answer, uh, please feel free to leave us a voice message or to send us an email or uh, contact us uh, via LinkedIn or any other um, way that you may find because we're pretty much everywhere. So Rahila can also be found on Facebook. She's on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Medium, yeah, yeah. 
you know, pretty much uh, all all the major platforms that can be seen out there, we're, we're on them. And we will be more than honored to make this Q&A session for you. So thanks for accepting, Rahila. <laughs> No problem. I, I like a challenge. I like a challenge because isn't that the best way we grow anyway? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, and I can and I can give the perfect example to this. Um, I've been talking about this, you know, in in previous posts and something, but with the first challenge that I went with the ten tips and days, that stretched my comfort zone big time. But I also learned tons of things from it, you know, because I was challenged to make videos 10 days in a row and put out something yeah. value. So, yeah, I hear you on that. I Thank you, Andrada. Bye now. Thank Bye, listeners. Thank you. Bye, Rahila. Have an amazing day ahead. Bye. And I'm going to see you soon. You too. you too. Love you big time. Thank you for reaching the end of this episode. I wish you an amazing day ahead and please don't forget, smile at life and life will smile right back at you. Hey everybody, David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life to give us the best chance of survival. We're gonna try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of, of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, a Story of Hope by David Calvert.